join our Patreon page at patreon.com slash comics for fun and profit. Why you ask? Well, because we are on episode 700 and something, and we've been cranking these out for a decade for you. So, hey, support us. Give us, throw us a shackle or two. A little something, a little, wet our whistle. A little something to, to give us a taste. Join our Patreon, patreon.com slash comics fun profit. Support for Comics for Fun and Profit is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped's performance package is the ultimate in men's hygiene. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer, 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code C4FAP at manscaped.com. I've been with Manscaped since the 1.0, and now we're on the Lawnmower 4.0. This trimmer is the future of grooming, and I dare say the greatest trimmer ever. The fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 is waterproofed and also has an LED spotlight for more precision shaving. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code C4FAP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the code C4FAP. That's the letter C, the number 4, F-A-P, at manscaped.com. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Aloha. This is Jason from Hawaii. Welcome to a special edition of the Comics for Fun and Profit podcast. In this episode, I will be interviewing Neil Klein, writer, and Andrea Muti. They are the creative team of The Panic. It is a five-part Comicsology original. Issue one comes out on May 3rd, and issue two comes out on June 7th. Neil and Andrea, um, Andrea how are you guys doing today? Good, thanks. Thanks for having us. Really good, really good. Thank you for having us, and it's always a pleasure, and so glad to, to meet my pal for the first time live. Yeah, yeah, this is, uh, this is the first time that we've actually spoken to one another. Yeah. Uh, it's awesome, exciting. Right? Good, to, good to hear from you, man. Oh, yeah, me too. So excited, too. All right, um, before I continue, did I pronounce your guys' names correctly? Yeah. Yep. Neil Clyde, yep. Okay. Did I mention that, right? Okay. All right. So, Neil, I'm just going to briefly go over your history just to give um, listeners an idea of your, um, your work history. Now, you received in um, a 2003 Zurich Award grant for your graphic novella, um, 90 Candles. That was back in 2014. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, that was actually before that. It was 20, 2003. Oh, I'm, uh, I'm sorry, 2003. That's okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. I got it in 2003. That was really the start of my career. The Zurich grant was kind of a thing at the time. It was mm-hmm. uh, a publishing grant that was put together by Peter Laird of Ninja Turtles fame. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was doing a lot of mini comics and you know self-published web comics at the time. Mm-hmm. And I had been working on this one book that was really just an experiment. Uh, yeah. I wanted to see if I could make a comic without a script. Oh. And the idea was that every page of the comic, because I, I draw as well, Mm-hmm. every page of the comic was informed by the page before it. So I would start with one and then I'd get to page two and be like, all right, here's what happened before. And I'm and just kind of keep going. Mm-hmm. And it was done in this like family circus style design. And I just did basically the life of a cartoonist mm-hmm. and friends of mine in Brooklyn said, Hey, you should really submit this for a Zurich. I did not think I was going to win. And yet I did. And so I put it out in 2004 to the excitement of no one, because uh, I have nice. cases of it upstairs in my attic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right, and then also to you wrote. I know you did, and then you start working comics. Um, I you did um, old men talking in bars. It was a short story from um, Superman 2011, 80 page giant, and then just recently you did. Um, Something an original graphic novel from for Dark Horse that came out um, in 2020 called Savior. Is that correct? Savior. Yeah, yeah. I've done I've done a bunch of stuff. I I yeah, like please. telling people I've worked with almost every publisher in the industry at this point, mm-hmm. doing a lot of short stories. 
the Superman one was sort of at the beginning. Before that, I did an X-Men short story, and then uh -huh. I've done Wonder Woman. I, I've kind of dabbled with everyone for at least a little bit. Yeah. Saber was the last book that I had out. It came out last year. Um, and here's a little fun fact. It actually released in the world on January 6, 2021. Oh, and if you, if you really want your book to really just do gangbusters, have it come out the day of an insurrection because everyone is focused on your book and not on an attack on the Capitol. Um, but yeah, I got to do the book with my buddies, John Broglia and Frank Reynoso, who are amazing artists. Um, and it's a book I did for my daughter. I've always wanted to do an adventure book. I've always wanted to do something with a pirate theme uh, and also something, I love food, I love to eat, I love to cook. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to kind of take all those inspirations and really put them in this little stew and create a fun little adventure mm -hmm. that my kids could read. And so that's what we did. And it came out last year. People seem to like it. We're hoping one day to do another. Um, but if not, it, it's, it's out there. And I hope people read it and enjoy it. Oh, okay. It's a funny story. Thanks. Yeah. It's so funny. All right. And then, um, Andrea, so your history is you attended the comic school of Barisha, Italy. Yeah. Did I pronounce that correctly? Yeah, correct. Barisha. Correct. Okay. And then many, that was, many years ago. And that was, and then that school um, that was led by the late Argentinian comic artist Ruben Sosa. Yes. And w w he was one of your teachers. Is that correct? Yes, he's a master. Was a master. Now he passed away. Fortunately, mm -hmm. I think eighty years ago or something. But he was a real master. He's, he was in the same school of the great Argentinian schools. You know? mm -hmm. And uh, we had a good time, a good master, very tough sometimes, but I, I learned a lot. It's awesome. It was awesome. Mm -hmm. And then you also have a very long career in comics. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. In, uh, from 1993 to 2000, you were one of the artists for the Bonelli series, Nathan yes. Never? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I then, started my career. I was in college, so I was 18 years old. My first cut of sign. No. What the hell? I was super young, man. Oh, my goodness. You're super young now? What are you talking oh, about? Oh, my man. This is the answer. <laughs> yeah, my man. And then you've done work over the years. Um, namely, I'm just going to point out just a couple things. Is Of course, you know, from in, um, back in, the, in 2012 for Dark Horse, you did Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic War Series. Yes. And of course, recently, of course, everyone, you, recently you've done for Aftershock, Bunny Mask, Maniac of New York, The Bronx is Burning. Yes. For Dark Horse, um, Paras, Paras, sorry. Yes, thank you very much. <laughs> and, then re and then just released from TKO, One Eye Open, is that correct? Correct. Okay. And then, listeners, we will touch upon that last TKO book at, at the end of the interview. Um, sure. Now, I got now I got um, Andrea's information from a website. I'm going to try to pronounce the name correctly. Lambic. It's like a comics encyclopedia um, uh, website. Now, Neo and Andrea, did I miss anything? No, it's. Oh, I mean. Is it no sense to make a long list of all my titles or all my publishers? But you know, I work for Dark Horse, Marvel, DC Comics, Image, mm -hmm. uh, Top, whatever. I mean, that's me. Yeah, yeah, we both done. Okay. We both done some work. It's out there. You know, people, <laughs> people can Google us or check. Yeah, you know, Comicology, com Comicsology, or right. Amazon, or what yeah. have you, and they'll yeah. be able to find uh, yeah. our lengthy list of books. Yeah. All right, now, before I start the interview, I want to give a big shout-out to Pamela Horvath of Super, Super Fan Promotion setting up this interview. And, you know, Pamela, thank you very much for giving advanced copy. I'm going to ask, did you guys want to add anything to that? No, Pamela's awesome. Pamela and David, her partner, I mean, they've been great working with us. We're, you know, setting up the launch and getting us ready to get our little book out into the world. So mm -hmm. thank you to 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 both of them because we did not do this without them. Absolutely agree. And I worked with Pamela uh, years ago in Vertigo for the Grisby Dragon Tattoo and uh, she did an amazing job. It's so it's a great part in crime. I'm so glad, oh. even for David. <laughs> All right. Now, Neil, I'm going to start off with you. Where can listeners find you on social media? 
so I'm, I'm on Twitter and Instagram, just Neil Clyde. So N-E-I-L-K-L-E-I-D. Uh, I talk mostly about comics or food. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, on Instagram, you may see my kids every now and then. But for the most part, it's, that's where I'm interacting on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And then okay. I, have a book, I have a bookshop website. So bookshop.org is a site that supports independent bookstores. So I've got some books up there. Um, and then, of course, on Amazon and Comixology, um, you know, all of my books are on both of those. So mm-hmm. put in Neil Clyde, search under books, you'll find me. Just like you'll find The Panic, number one, on May 3rd. Yes. And Andrea, what about you? The same, Instagram and Facebook, Twitter. And mm-hmm. my name, Andrea Muti, nine. So my first and last name and number nine. Mm-hmm. You can reach me out whatever you want. Even, I have a, even a website, but this I don't use it so much. It's too hard to keep the website updated or everything I doing also. And his his emoji game is on point. So uh, <laughs> if you talk to him on social, you'll get some amazing emoji reactions. <laughs> yeah, it is. All right. So um, we're gonna start. We're just gonna jump right into this, listeners. So we're gonna talk about the panic now. Before I start. Um, asking questions and um andrea um i saw on your twitter feed you got a high you got the comic got a high praise from kirk Busick, and he put quote a vivid involving psychological thriller about new yorkers trapped underground after disaster character suspense claustrophobia and did I mention the rats? <laughs> <laughs> so, for, first of all, no spoilers, right? But for sure, some rats here and there are going to happen, you know. I mean, it's, it's New York, right? The, the it's, New York, exactly, New York. it's New York. We have, we have rats in the coffee shops here. So, <laughs> exactly. You know, drinking lattes. <laughs> yeah. It's a part of the neighborhood, right? Yeah. But, but, you know, that was really nice of Kurt to say. Kurt, you know, I, we, we sent the book out to some of our friends just to kind of get their opinions and because we thought they'd like it. Yes. And Kurt actually, Kurt actually um, gave me a quote for uh, me, John and Frank, a quote for the Saber, the, the last book I did. Mm-hmm. And um, he was nice enough to really talk uh, about the panic on social. So thank you, Kurt. Kurt is a genius. Read Astro City, read Aerosmith, uh, read all of the books that Kurt does. Uh, and we can't thank him enough. Yeah, absolutely agree. Thank you so much, Curtis. The review is pretty short and very detailed. In the same time, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's that is there are really nice details, very curious, and can get appeal for the readers. And I'm pretty sure that's going to be a fun story. This, this is a kind of normal story yes. about an incredible adventure. So I, I love it. All right, and then that's a perfect segue because I'm going to ask Neil, what is the story about? So The Panic uh, is a story that I've been writing for a while, for a long time. Mm-hmm. And it is a story about uh, a group of strangers who are trapped uh, in a path train under the Hudson River on their way from New Jersey to New York. Something happens. They don't know what it is. Uh, it could be a breakdown, an apocalyptic event. It's unknown and unclear. Mm-hmm. And they are basically stuck in the subway car and they have to get out. Mm-hmm. And so it's about a group of strangers, people who come from a lot of different political, social, and cultural yeah. ideologies. Some of them hate each other, some of them like each other, some of them don't really know each other. And the question is, uh, can humanity come together when the lights go out? Can we work together and put all the shit behind us mm-hmm. and survive, right? Mm-hmm. And it was really inspired by um, my life as a New Yorker uh, around um, September 11th, 2011. Um, mm-hmm. I really, was living in the city at the time. Uh, I was uptown. I wasn't actually. I was supposed to have a meeting downtown when towers fell, and um, I actually slept in, and um, woke up to my wife, my sorry, my mom calling me and basically saying, "Where are you? Are you okay?" And really spent the day kind of in a daze, walking around Manhattan, watching how the city just kind of came together. Really, just New Yorkers when the chips are down we put the shit aside and we get stuff done, right? And people were making sandwiches and bringing it down to the site. People were running down there and trying to move rubble. Blood was being given. And so for me, that was like a real clear indicator of uh, what you can really do when just at the core, you're just human, right? Mm -hmm. Really, we're humans first. Everything else is kind of second. And um, I've seen that a number of times. I've been 
uh, I spent a year in Israel, in Jerusalem, uh, a year abroad, and have seen friends of mine in terror attacks, seen friends of mine in situations where their lives are in danger. Mm-hmm. And so it's about people helping other people, but also it's about really, and this is where the title came from, that, that feel, that inner fear when something is going on and you don't know what it is. There's that sense of, oh my God, the lights are off. Oh my gosh, my train stopped. You know, on 9-11, there were people trapped underground in the subway system for hours, mm-hmm. not knowing that the towers had fallen, not knowing that there was an attack. Mm-hmm. And I could not imagine what it must have been like, you know, cut off from your phones, cut off from the outside communication, and you're kind of hearing things maybe from mm-hmm. the drivers, and there's this sense of just like, oh my God, did the world just come to an end? And so that's really what inspired the book, this sense of not just group isolationist, a uh, group versus isolationist, mm-hmm. but also the sense of like, what will humanity do when you're just facing fear and unknown? And mm-hmm. that's what really inspired the book. And so the book is about really about, again, these 10 strangers, their, their journey from the crash site to get out mm-hmm. uh, of the tunnel and sort of the dangers and uh, things that happen along the way. And, and Kurt, actually, his quote summed it up really well. There are rats, but the rats aren't the biggest problem. Yeah. I agree. This is a point. Nice, nice touch, man. Nice touch. Nice touch. Well, Kurt, Kurt is a genius. And he wrote, wrote our marketing company better, better than I could. So, yeah. So, um, Andrea, when, you know, when Neil told you this, uh, I'm going to ask, did you want to... Um, what did you think when Neil told you this story? You know, well, when I read the plot and uh, the outline, I, I felt exactly the same what Neil is going into to talk before. This kind of struggling, this kind of feeling, some fear, and the trap of their claustrophobia. And mm-hmm. in the same time, what I loved is was the the people involved was different between like a melting pot of no melting pot, yeah. but in the same time, normal guys, normal girls, uh, they do. The job, uh, hobbies, uh, love stories, uh, and in event like that, something change in their soul, in their mind, and you are going to expect it, like they help each other. So, kind of community, like oh, you are all friends, the same stuff, the same problem. Mm-hmm. But the human behavior is really strange, and your reaction could be really different than we expected. So, your friend become your enemy, or makes sense, or yes. in a different way, your enemy become your friend. Yes. And this kind of craziness, the craziness and madness is no, no idea what's going on outside. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting. The, I mean, the, the, the best thing for me is the, the approach for the different culture, the different approach of the, 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 the same situation. Yes. And the fear, the, the fear is a constant feel rouge of this story. What's, what's going on after this door? What's going on after this uh, I don't know, window? What's going on with this new uh, camera? I mean, and really, really high tension every single page. So you mm-hmm. want to know what's going on, what's happened, and you are always in scare. Mm-hmm. Oh. I love it. Like, it seems like sometimes I feel like alien. You no, know, the first alien, very dark. Everybody in the same time. Yeah. I have to do something bad, but I have to. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. That's that's a very good point of the alien in the first alien movies. Something yeah, happened. and we have no monsters, no serial killers, no crazy characters, no maniacs. Only mm-hmm. normal people in a normal crazy situation, like mm-hmm. Neil said about the nine eleven. So, um, before I continue on, Neil, I just want to ask how did um, how did comicsology come into the picture? So um, I have known Chip Mosher, who uh, is kind of running Comixology Originals for a couple of years now. And he's been around at a couple of different companies. And we've just kept a friendship up. And uh, when he started you know, the Originals project, um, I kind of put my hat in the ring and said, hey, I'd love to chat with you about some stuff. Mm-hmm. And I've just been kind of throwing him pitches every now and then. Mm-hmm. And Anik was one that he really kind of gravitated towards. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he's really been champion, championing it uh, at Comixology. And so it just was like the perfect fit. And he's actually the one that put the two of us together. Um, he's been really kind of like, um, you know, we have, we have a, the third, uh, we have two other uh, creatives who have been sort of involved with us on the day-to-day of the book our editor, 
uh, Mariah McCourt, and then our diversity and inclusion consultant, um, Amanda Stevens. And Chip is kind of like the missing fifth element. He's kind of mm -hmm. like the fifth beetle here uh, mm -hmm. with the book, so. And then um, I'm going to ask one question to Neil, then um, Andrew, I'm going to ask you this other one. So um, Neil, you mentioned about uh, Amanda Stevens. Um, um, you mentioned that she's like the diversion and inclusion. Um, diversity, diversity and inclusion. Diversity, I'm sorry. Yeah, so, um, um, so how, how did she play a role? Like what was, uh, how did she, did she kind of help you with the characters or how did, what was her role? So like, so when we started creating the book, Yes. Um, look, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a white Jew from Michigan and now living in New Jersey, right? I have a very specific worldview, right? But New Yorkers, New York in general, is, is a melting pot, right? It's filled with a very diverse group of people from all walks of life, from all races and religions, all yes. gender types. And so to create this story, uh, uh, the two of us wanted to ensure that the characters that were really involved in the struggle represented that diverse group of New Yorkers. Mm -hmm. The problem with that being is that um, I don't always, when I'm telling a story about a character uh, from a worldview that's different than mine, uh, I don't always uh, bring that, that point of view or am able to inform mm -hmm. ways of making that character feel authentic and being sensitive to um, certain nuances of that character's development. What Amanda was really crucial in um, was looking at our scripts, mm -hmm. looking at the artwork that mm. uh, Andrea was turning in, yes. and sort of pointing out ways for us where we were either getting off base or things mm -hmm. that felt false or things that felt contrived mm -hmm. or things that felt just shouldn't be in there. Mm -hmm. And um, for a lot of our characters um, who are either African-American mm -hmm. or LGBTQ, mm -hmm. um, we wanted to ensure that we were telling those, their stories mm -hmm. in the most authentic, sensitive manner possible. Mm -hmm. And so I really uh, loved working with her. She was great. Um, and she has, you know, uh, definitely, like I said, for the fourth part of this project, the fourth creative part of this project, so. And then, um, Andrea, you know, um, like, I know Neil already mentioned this, so, um, like, what kind of recommendations did um, Amanda give to you in your character designs? Well, you know, it's really easy, but at the same time, really specific, like, just, like, it, you know, as a, as a painter too, I'm a painter too. Sometimes when you do the finished painting, uh, you you feel, you, you see that you need some touch of light here and there. Mm -hmm. So this is the way Amanda's work for me. So just simple detail, but very interesting and very uh, specific and very helpful for you know, to be able to construct a, and build a 3D dimensional uh, character. As I told you, this is, real guys, real girls. So uh, mm -hmm. we don't need really great or incredible characterization, but something real, realistic. So mm -hmm. I, I, can, I can meet these people around here, to be yeah. my friend, to be my brother, my wife. So mm -hmm. this is the point. It's very interesting. It's very interesting and deep at the same time. I like when we touch these kind of topics without to be too much political or too much uh, speculative. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, with, with, with smart and clever approaches, the best way ever. Mm -hmm. we, are, we are here to tell something to the readers. Yeah. Not, not, not to teach something to the readers. Um, and then I, that's, this, that's going to lead me into, um, I'm going to ask, you know, Neil, um, who are the main characters to the story? So it's a, it's a, like I said, it's a diverse ensemble. I don't know that there's one, I mean, we come into the story definitely with one of the characters' point of view, this character, Annie Delgado, yes. who is a, a girl from New Jersey. Um, she's very much, she, the story is set during the pandemic, mm -hmm. uh, maybe towards the tail end of the pandemic or mm -hmm. midway. So there's still masks. There's a lot of yes. protesting going on. Yes. It's a very politically <laughs> charged story. And so she is kind of our, our lead into that. She's definitely very liberal. Um, she's actually on her way to a protest in the city with her friend. Um, and uh, she is kind of the way we get into the story. That being said, as the issues sort of roll out, 
all of the characters' point of views really become crucial. So, um, you know, you have uh, Tim DeMarco, who's the guy who's actually operating the train, um, who has a very huge self-esteem issue. Okay. He's, uh, he's, his parents have always been on him. He just kind of wants to float through life. Mm-hmm. And suddenly he's got this uh, responsibility thrust on him as he's one of the two people in the crash that really have any sense of authority mm-hmm. uh, as part of the path system, as part of the, you know, the New Jersey transit system. Mm-hmm. And suddenly he has to deal with that. And then you've got um, uh, a guy named Jeff Dean, who is kind of um, our, uh, our lead, our male lead. And he, you know, he brings a certain aspect to the story as well. So everybody kind of brings a little bit of their own uh, self and their own worldview as leads, but it's really a, a straight ensemble. And that's the way I've chosen to tell the story. Um, Andrea, um, do you want to add anything to what Neil said? Yes. Uh, for me, the main characters are the fear and the doubt. And, you know, and you know what? That he makes a whole lot of sense. It's it's really the, the reader becomes kind of the main character. It's about the the expectations and attention, and it's about what the hell is happening. Correct. And hopefully, and you know, you see, look, the story takes place, like I mentioned, underground, right? It takes place as, as a New York, New Jersey commuter. You know, somebody who who takes those trains every day, like I like I do. Um, but as hopefully we get to do more, if we get to do more, mm-hmm. the city itself, New York, really becomes, takes lead as well, right? Mm-hmm. It's about New York and New Jersey, the tri-state area. It's about, you know, what happens to it as we figure out, like, how come they crashed? What, what really went on? Mm-hmm. Um, the fear in the city really kind of hold hands and become almost this overwhelming lead to the ensemble. And the ensemble takes their lead from them. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. But you, Andrea, you make a fantastic point. Yes, and then, and then, um, Andrea, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, you did the colors on the story, correct? Yes, I I did the watercolors, yes. and uh, once again, I tried to put in the pages on the pages not only the color of the world, but the color of the the, the emotion and of the feelings. I'm not the kind of artist that uh, have this kind of classic approach of the pages. Mm-hmm. I prefer to tell something with the color, not to explain something with the color, like um, the sky is blue, the mm-hmm. green is grass is green. But I try to put something, it depends on the, 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 the moment. Yes. Something really cold or super hot or, or like uh, very gray. And mm-hmm. I want to feel, I want that they're really going to be, to read the story between read the, the text immediately. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the reader had to be involved immediately on the pages and every single panel for me is her weight. And we tried some graphic solutions, so I think pretty interesting and uh, sometimes pop, but uh, I think really uh, current with the, with the story. So I, I think it's gonna be interesting. And what's it, what's, what I think is completely genius about your work too uh, is, is that is that I would say half the story takes place in the dark, right? Half the story takes place yeah. underground in the dark. And how do you tell, how do you visually tell a story that's not overwhelmingly dark and black and neutral? And you really stepped up and, you know, uh, look in Maniac, you use red very, very well, right? And here uh, you've used reds, you've used blues, yellows, ways to really take that sort of like emotional spectrum for what our characters are thinking and what the characters are doing at any given time. And even sort of like the tension at the end, right? There's like some really bright oranges like to, to the heat of the anger, the heat of a moment. Um, it's very masterful and I have to applaud you because I don't think I've ever said that Thank to your you, face. I've, I've never said it to your face and I'm going to now. But, you <laughs> know, you, in, our, you. our emails back and forth are always like, cool, awesome, brother. <laughs> but I really have to tell you that, you know, as pages roll in, I've been the first to see them and every page is just uh, catharsis for me. They're just fantastic. And Thank what you. you did with the color uh, here has, is fantastic. But you know what uh, I want to say? When you work with writers like like Neil, and we sh- share, you share the same passion, the same goal. Mm-hmm. It seems really easy for an artist, even for a writer, I guess, uh, to make something good because there is no fight, no like uh, the is immediate. It's really awesome to talk about the best way 
to, to follow. And it was really easy and funny. I, I uh -huh. know when we check chat something for to change details or maybe what about this, what about that? It's, it's great. Mm -hmm. I'm going to disagree slightly and say that there were, mo <laughs> there were moments, I, one of the great things about comic book partnerships, right, co-authoring a comic book as a writer and an artist, is that the writer and the artist, neither of them are right. The product is the right, the story is right, right? Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, it's the right thing that gets on the page. So you have to put your egos aside sometimes and say, yeah. like, like if, one, if one of the co-authors comes back and says, hey, this isn't working, or have we thought about this? the other co-author has to sit there and say, you know what, I have to put my egos aside and decide if it's right for the story. Mm -hmm. And what working with Andrea really taught me is, you know, with an ensemble cast, is understanding the limitations of the space, right? I'm a very big believer in, I want to get everybody into every panel. Mm -hmm. And there were some emails, you know, yeah, days yeah. that he and I went back and <laughs> forth cool. where, he was, where he was like, you can't put six characters into this one panel. You're not going to have room for the dialogue. And I'm like, you know what? You're right, take these three people out. He's like, no, you're gonna take four out. And, and so the night, so, the, so what I will say is, when there is a mutual respect yes. between the partners, between the co-authors, where we both understand it's not about me, it's not about him, it's not about the editor, it's about the story and about the characters, that always leads to good work. That always leads to the, to the team saying, you know what, you're right, I was wrong, let's make the change and we'll fix it. Mm -hmm and make the comic itself better. And that goes with anything you do, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so what I would say is, it wasn't always easy. There were days where, <clears throat> excuse me, we went back and forth and I have to actually sit and think about it and be like, well, I really want to do this. And, mm -hmm. you know, kill your darlings and basically say, you know what, he's right. Mm -hmm. And there were days that sometimes he had to do the same for me where I was like, look, I get what you're trying to do here, but the narrative flow doesn't work. You know, that's very important to understand, make sure that the narrative journey is mm -hmm. working as much as making sure that the art has the space to breathe. Mm -hmm. And so what I loved about this partnership was that the two mm -hmm. of us always arrived at a place where even if we were hot in our emails, mm -hmm. at the end, we were always like high-fiving each other virtually via email saying, you know what, this is right, we're great, let's go. So. Yeah, and, and of course, vice versa too. So sometimes I, I was wrong, so I, I fix here. And there, for example, one of the 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 most uh, tough problem was because we have a bunch of people, and yeah. when you have to show a bunch of people all together, we have to zoom out of the camera. But mm -hmm. at the same time, we are in the subway, so the the the, the roof is not super super high. So yeah. the point of view can be too far because it's not a church. And you lose completely lose the 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 claustrophobic the the, the yes. dimension of the, the situation. And mm -hmm. it was funny because we try to handle it. Sometimes I need to put six characters. So mm -hmm. with the first plan, with the super zoom on, zoom off, it was it's a kind of direction to two person the same the yes. camera. It was very funny. Sometimes hard, not hard, but you know, but very funny. Well, I, I, I promise, Andrea, that the, the next volume that we do is not taking place in a cramped <laughs> subway car. Let's all okay. together. <laughs> I'm going to slowly start wrapping things up. So, okay, so Neil, you, um, so I know this is a five-part limited series. Mm -hmm. do you guys, do you guys have plans for a sequel or another story that's going to take a place? Okay. Yeah, so The Panic is, is what I would call my deer hunter. Uh, it's definitely, there's many volumes, well, not many, maybe like four yeah. volumes. I've actually got a full pitch uh, for, I know what's going to happen all the way to the end. Uh, mm -hmm. And the idea was that what I wanted to do was tell a tale that started underground and then really almost kind of like opening a flower. You kind of get out further, you, space opens up. Yeah. So the second volume actually... Um, if we get to do it, takes place uh, above ground in New York. Yes. And then the third volume takes place outside New York in the tri-state area. So, uh, and then there's a fourth volume that mm -hmm. goes even beyond that. So mm -hmm. there are plans really kind of at the end of the day with any comic book or graphic novel or any creative project you do, uh, it's about, is there demand, right? You know, mm -hmm. yes. we, have, we have our comic, you know, issue one is up for pre-order on um, uh, May 3rd and then the collected volume is coming out from Dark Horse in November, mm -hmm. uh, physical printed volume. Mm -hmm. And what we really need is people to pre-order the book, right? We need yes. pre-orders, we need to see that people are buying it, are talking about it, are excited about it. 
that is the way any comic book, any graphic novel really um, becomes successful, right? Mm-hmm. So I mentioned Saber, right? Saber, the book that I did before mm-hmm. this came out on January 6th. A lot of people didn't know it came out. I had to really kind of like bang the drum. We had some great marketing team, uh, people at Dark Horse working with me and we really did get out there. But at the end of the day, it didn't do, it did fine. It didn't do the, you know, the numbers we were kind of hoping for, but it did great. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't enough for us to do a second volume. So we're hoping that with the panic, um, this first five issues, which really, I got to be honest, it ends kind of nicely with a little bit of an unknown, but it ends also like with it open for more. Mm-hmm. Um, if people support it and go out, and I know they will, I know that you know people will come out and check us out and read it and love it. Um, hopefully, Comicsology will come back and say, "Let's do the second volume." And yeah, for sure. Uh, so I'm I'm really confident because the uh, the 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 last uh, volume of this first run, mm-hmm. uh, the 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 closure is really amazing because we close with the mist, and this is an incredible metaphor. And Neil did a great job about that because after four volumes underground, the black and the pitch black, mm-hmm. now we are outside. But yeah. what the hell? A mist. Mm-hmm. I can see anything, so I'm pretty sure that the readers are gonna be gonna be over the mist. Okay. By the, by the way, we just spoiled the end. To the yeah. Book. You know that. No, no, we, it's we literally amazing. just told people that they get out. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, you want to edit that part out? <laughs> no, no, no. So the best thing about this comic, I'll be honest with you, is that you know this is sort of a, a cliche, but this pot, this comic, the panic is about the journey, not the destination. Exactly. It is about, exactly. it is about, it's about getting out. It's about yes. the light at the end of the tunnel. And there is a light at the end of the tunnel, but nice job. the, shit, nice the shit that happens along the way is pretty horrific. Mm-hmm. Great cool, man. Great cool. Absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. All right. I'm going to start wrapping things up. Um, um, Andrea, at the beginning, I mentioned that you have a new book out um, called One, One Eye Open from TKO. May I ask, can you just tell the listeners what the story is about? So this is one of the many books upcoming, but uh, one I open actually is not a comic book, but it's a novel. Oh, and right. with right. Alex Rachel, yes, Alex Rachel is a friend of mine since forever. And we had this uh, chance to work together in one of his novels. And I did the illustration inside it. And the story is a horror story mostly. It's a take place in Denmark, mm-hmm. and it's really nice. And fighting is a very subtle. I mean, psychological in some ways. Yes. Could remind the Midsummer for some reason, but it's really interesting <laughs> because it's not splatter, no bloody, no crazy monsters, but there's something you know underneath the soil or something like mm-hmm. that underneath the soil. It's I'm I can't wait to see how the readers come with that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, let's see. I'm going to start off with you, Neil. Um, um, do you have a favorite convention moment? I mean, I've had a lot of great convention moments. Um, one of them was seeing Grant Morrison ride a Star Wars speeder bike at a Battlefront party. That was fun. Um, look, most of my good convention moments really come from meeting people, right? Um, selling a book, talking up the book, really kind of introducing readers to, th- to a book they haven't seen before. Um, yes. I'm very big on, I don't get to a lot of conventions, to be honest with you. Um, I don't, you know, I don't travel a ton. You know, I do the one here in New York, the New York Comic Con. Mm-hmm. I'm actually going to go to San Diego this, this summer, hopefully, because I have a book coming out, different mm-hmm. book. Um, and then maybe we'll talk up the panic a little bit. But for me, it's about really interacting with people who enjoy the, and support the work that I do. Um, mm-hmm. It's them, you know, coming and, uh, you know, I love it when somebody comes up to me with my work, right? Where they come to the table having brought my work with them or brought a book that really touched them or inspired them and saying, hey, I really enjoyed this. Would you mind signing it for me or for someone else? Mm-hmm. Um, those are my favorite moments at conventions. Um, yeah, you know, talking with my friends and networking and, doing all that and getting to see some cool stuff is, is, is always great. And there's always moments, crazy moments where you might meet people or what have you. But for me, it's about the connection with your reader. It's about the connection with the people who are the reason we're here. People mm-hmm. who, who are just really want a good story. Andrea, what about you? 
Do you have a favorite convention moment? You know, I, I do many shows uh, over the years. So, you know, Cleveland, always Chicago, mm -hmm. and Sun Coast, uh, Tampa Bay Comic Con, and many others uh, all around. And it's always a pleasure to meet it. Uh, the readers has told, has nearly told. Because it's always interesting to, to see what the, the readers are, uh, uh, what they're thinking about the, the, the work, the story, the artwork, uh, and to share the ideas, uh, talk about that, even talk about everything else. Uh, and, and it's always a pleasure to, to, mm -hmm. to know, know new people, new guys, new yeah. girls, new, new, uh -huh. new. And uh, for us, like uh, artists and writers, I work a lot in my, in my, in my studio. So it, sometimes it's really, you kind of refresh your air, take a break. Uh, and you are working, but at the same time, you'll get you know, some fresh breath. Yeah. I mean, I'll also say, like, beyond that, like, I've taken my kids to conventions, yeah. right? Yeah. My, you know, and that's, that's always fun when you get to bring your family, especially, you know, when your kids are little, uh, to a convention and let them sort of experience what you do. I've had, you know, my, yeah. my two older sons, each mm -hmm. separately, have come to New York Comic Con with me. Um, and both of them have sat there while I've signed books and mm -hmm. have been bored and said, dad, I want to go shop. Yeah. And uh, then, you know, they all, they dressed up and my, my middle kid actually, I brought him when he was, he was like five or six and he was wearing like a Wolverine costume <laughs> and I got to bring him and there was another guy dressed up like Hugh Jackman Wolverine with like these giant metal claws coming out of his hands. And I <laughs> actually chased us around. He was like, I want to take a picture with your son. And I was like, sure. And my son would not take the picture. Um, <laughs> he, was, he was scared of them. But like, those are, those are fun moments. Being able to really kind of marry uh, something I love with the people that I love. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and you know, my wife knows like a bunch of people that I work with, and, you know, editors and collaborators over the year, years. And she was actually hopefully hoping to come to San Diego with me this year, but I'm not so sure that's going to work out. Mm. But those are like, those are the good moments, right? Those are fun convention stories for me. Two more questions. Andrea, I'm going to ask you, have you and your family been to Hawaii? No, not yet. Not yet. I miss that place. Mm -hmm. it's, it's in my long list. Yes. Mm -hmm. I promise. Neil, what about you? So it's funny because people ask me that all the time because Savor is set in uh, on a Pacific island that's very inspired by... Hawaiian culture. Actually, we talked about consultants before, but I had a, 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 a consultant on Saber, uh, Carl Shinyama, who's an editor. He actually read over my script looking for like cultural and mythological and food-based uh, details of my script. Um, but I've actually never been there. And I had told uh, John and my wife, um, John, the artist, and, and my wife, my wife, um, I had told them that if we got the second volume approved, that I would actually go, that we would we'd take a trip out there so I could do a little research. But sadly, I, that didn't happen. That didn't I go happen. whatever. I go whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Andrea's like, I've researched. I'll go on a Tuesday. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I'm ready to go. Um, but, you yeah, know, I'd love yeah. to go. I mean, I have friends who have been, and it, it's beautiful, and, and the food looks amazing, and I, mm -hmm. I, I'd like to go. It just yeah. it hasn't happened yet. All right. Last question. I'm going to start off with you, Neil, first. Do you have any closing words to our listeners? Um, I mean, by the panic, I guess. Um, look, comics is tough. Comics is, is, is you know, you, you spend a lot of years putting together something that you love, something that you hope people will love. And uh, you're hoping that at least the story moves somebody out there, right? Somebody, whether it moves them to be emotionally excited or emotionally scared or just love it, hate it, uh -huh. you know, react to it, right? Uh -huh. So my hope is, look, not everyone's going to love this book. Uh, not everyone's going to hate this book, but uh -huh. I hope people at least try it out yes. uh, and support the work that we're doing uh -huh. because we'd like to tell more. And, you know, this is, to me, telling a story is one of the greatest things you can do. Telling a story to somebody, getting something uh -huh. that's in your head, an idea, uh, a theme, a character uh -huh. uh, out into the world and really affecting someone else out there, whoever that person may be, yeah. is one of the greatest things you can do. And so my, my hope is that folks come out and uh, pre-order the book uh, and then talk about it a little okay. bit, you know, tell pe other people to try it out. 
uh, and ultimately kind of enjoy the work we do so we can do some more. Yeah. Andrea, any closing well, words? You know, uh, this is my job. I love my job because mm -hmm. for me, it's, it's something special, not because we are special, but for, 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 for us, this world, small world is special. Every, I, I really hope that the panic could be interesting. I can, I, I hope that the readers can get some, something from the book, mm -hmm. any feelings, maybe somebody can hate it, but it's always a feeling. So I like that this book can be a talking stuff forever. Mm -hmm. So this is the point. Yeah, I mean, you know, one of the things that we keep kind of circling around, we keep talking about the diverse cast, what have you, but look, yeah. we're in a place, especially here in America, if not the world, where, you know, when I started writing this book, um, we were already kind of a divided world, right? Mm -hmm. Politically, socially, culturally. Yes. You know, every day, kids are out there fighting for their lives one way or the other, whether, you know, because of the color of their skin or who they choose to be or who they choose to love. Mm -hmm. And... And to be honest with you, it's scary to think that when the chips are down, you may have to second guess whether you can depend on somebody else as a human because they don't support a choice you've made or who you, not even a choice you made, who you are, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, I wear, like I'm, I'm an Orthodox Jew. I, I, I wear a baseball cap most of the time, but most of the time I don't. I wear a, a yarmulke, a keep on my head. And I wear it proudly. Mm -hmm. uh, I wear, you know, I wear my religion for all to see. Um, my sons do the same. My, you know, my wife, my daughter, we, we're very publicly Jewish. And my concern is always like, if God forbid the worst would arrive and let's, if you look at history, the worst had happened, right? You know, if God forbid that ever happened again to people of my faith, mm -hmm. um, who could I look to for support? Who could I look to to help me survive? Mm -hmm. And sometimes you worry that it it may not be your neighbor. It may not be the person next to you on a train. Mm -hmm. And I know that I am luckier than most. Like I said, I'm, you know, I'm white, I'm middle-aged, uh -huh. I have a good job, but there are people that don't. And I'm hoping that the panic can highlight the fact that even when we are talking about a very divided, divided populace, mm -hmm. people who come from all walks of life who don't really support or believe in the political or social or cultural ideologies of the person next to them on the train, mm -hmm. they can still put that shit behind them and do what they have yeah. to survive. Mm -hmm. Totally agree. Did you want to add anything, Andrea, before I wrap up? No, I think it's okay. We can talk forever. But <laughs> and we, yeah. we would, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, uh, for so sure, I can't wait to, do, to see the book, the book for sure. That, mm -hmm. that, that's one of my point. All right, so Neil and um, Andrea, um, I wish you guys all the success with the panic. You know, mahalo. Thank you in Hawaiian for your time. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to interview both of you guys. Thank you very much. Oh, I thank you, man. Thanks, thanks for you. having us. Yeah, thank and, you. Absolutely. Anytime. And it's so cool that's the first time you guys are seeing each other face to face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Sometimes that happens. Uh, you know, I, I I've had partners who we've never met. Mm -hmm. And you, you know, you meet one, you meet each other at a convention. That's, you know, that's what's great about conventions too, yeah. is, you know, I worked with a, I've worked with a Chilean artist, this guy, Fernando Pinto. We worked on a couple of books together, a short story. And for years it was just all email. And mm -hmm. then I was at New York Comic Con and he came walking up to me and he's like, Neil, I'm like, Fernando. And that was, we have a picture of the command. It was like the first time we met it. It's a great feeling, right? Mm -hmm. Because you know, the way comics are, you can kind of do them from anywhere at any time with anyone. So that's sort of the blessing and the curse of it, right? Exactly, at the same time. I, I, I'm going to New York City Comic Con this October, so I hope to, to meet you there, man. Yeah, no, for sure. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy you many drinks. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Um, I um, also want to thank Pamela of Superfan Promotions. Pamela, thank you very much for setting up this interview. Thank you, um, Thank you, Pamela. Now, if you, if you, now listeners, if you are a new comic book reader or a lifelong comic book reader, please check out The Panic. It is a five-part comicsology original. The first issue drops again on May, on May 3rd. Issue two comes out on June 7th. I want to thank Drew, the co-host of Comics for Fun and Profit, for putting this episode together. Drew, thank you very much for all your hard work behind the scenes. And if you are a new listener, please check out New episodes of Comics for Fun and Profit that comes out every Saturday. 
And I want to thank you, the listener. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for listening to this episode. Until next time, guys. Aloha. Aloha. Nice. Our LCS is Cowabunga Comics out of Oconomowoc, Wisconsin. And their mail order company, Deep Discount Comics. Um, and we went there and, and we were actually invoice number 0001. We are the we were the very first <laughs> their very first customer, um, which was kind of cool. They've been nothing short of fantastic customer service wise. Discounts they were very close, if not the same or better than DCBS on a lot of things. Um, mm-hmm. Over and above uh, customer service wise, always taking care of us, going the extra mile, so responsive, getting instantaneous. Uh, responses back to uh, questions about things and to the point where knowing the stuff you like and anticipating your needs and having it suggested to, that you might want to add this to your order already uh, before you even have to think about about it that's kind of cool really quality experience so we, we love working with Cowabunga and Deep Discount and that's why they're in our show notes every single episode and have been for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of episodes that mm-hmm. we leave them there because we like them they're cool good people that's why they're in there by god they'd tell you to if you've got a local comic book shop that you love stay with them because every everybody needs to support their local comic shops but if you're looking check them out you can check them out in in the show notes there's plenty of ways to get a hold of them either get on their list just so you can check and see what kind of FOC and pre-order stuff they have and the discounts, and they'll send it to you um, each month, get you on that email list. And you can check out their shop because they have a great shop of exclusive Cowabunga mm-hmm. variants. Amazing stuff. Yes, they've always been there for us, and we take them for granted. So there you go. Now you, now you know. <laughs>